Hello, and welcome to the teaching ministry of Impact Family Church. For more information, including service times and directions, or to find out more about us, you can visit our website at www.impactfamilychurch.com. We trust you'll be blessed by today's message. I recall that my, my grandmother died probably about 50 years ago. And, um, you know, we were we were. I was born in, 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 in Newberry, and so that's where my dad was born and raised. And, and my grandparents had, you know, one of some of the original members of the Newberry Church of God there. And, and of course, that when she passed away, uh, that was where the, the funeral was. And where our pastor that we had at the time was a, um, a gentleman that had actually stayed in my grandparents' home when he first went into the ministry and was traveling around as a young evangelist. He was just not even out of his teens, I don't think. So my, my grandfather had him come to do the service. And that day, he actually, his, his message for her funeral was really, the title of this tonight is called The Great Exchange. And, uh, you know, we, we talk so many, much about what God has provided for us and who we are in Christ. But, you know, tonight, I just want to look, take a look at this in, in, the, in the context of the great exchange. You know, when, when you have a product and, you t- and, you, and you've got this product and you realize there's something wrong with it, you know, you most of the time can take it back to where you got it from, you know, and you can exchange it for some, for something model that works. Let me tell you, you and I were a product that was broken, that was useless, that was worn out, that had no value, and yet when Jesus died and he hung on a cross and he went to hell for three days and three nights and he came up out of that grave with the keys of death and hell in his hands and he spoiled principalities and powers and he ascended up into the into the heavenlies into the father and he took his own blood before the throne of God and he poured it out and that's when the great exchange began I'm telling you what there has been every person who has ever lived on this earth Every person who has ever made Jesus the Lord of their lives has experienced a great exchange. You know, there's so much. And so I think probably the the first verses that came to my mind were in Isaiah. You know, he gave me beauty for ashes, the oil of joy for mourning, a garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness. That's what immediately came to my mind. And I thought, you know, I need to go look and just, and just see, you know, what else there's been. You know, there is so much. Salvation is so much. The exchange that we've got is so enormous. You know, it's like, you know, if, if you ever deal in foreign currency... So many times, you know, you'll find that, that a U.S. dollar is, is a strong currency. And for one U.S. dollar, you get like a hundred of these or that. Now, pastor's been in Zimbabwe before when they were, you know, inflation was out, outrageous. And it was like one dollar, you got how many? How many Zimbabwe dollars? A millions. They would go to lunch, you know, and they would spend, they would, they would spend a couple of million at lunch, you know. 
because the exchange rate was so good. Listen, the exchange rate with our Father God is so awesome. We bring him a little bit, and he provides us with so much. And it's kind of like a warranty. There is no, with God, there is no warranty, period. It's not a limited warranty. Everything he's got, he'll give to us. But you know what? What it takes is us coming to him and bringing our brokenness, bringing our uselessness, bringing our less than valuable attitudes to him and say, I need to exchange this. And when we do, he is more than happy. You don't have to argue with him like you do at the counter, you know, at Walmart, you know, sometimes. You don't have to argue with him about, well, did you use this? Did you do this? Did you do that? When did you buy? He doesn't care. He just says, you bring me all of that, and I'll give you something in exchange for this. Oh, hallelujah. You know, I I looked today at, at Luke 4, verse 18, and I thought, well, you know, this seems like the road map. To what this is all about. This is what this is all about. Jesus himself said it. He said in, in this verse, he said, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to preach deliverance to the captives and recovering of sight to the blind, to set at liberty them that are bruised, to preach the acceptable year of the Lord. Jesus has been authorized to, to validate the exchange. He's been authorized. Isaiah 53. Just part of what he's done. You know, what this, what this exchange is all about. Verse 4. Surely he's borne our griefs or our sicknesses. And surely he has carried our sorrows or our pains. Yet we did esteem him stricken, smitten of God and afflicted. But he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him. And with his stripes we are healed. He put himself in there in a position to pay for the exchange. In every part of our lives. And so I just went looking for things. I just went looking, and, and I thought, what, what, did I, what did I get in this exchange? New life. Galatians 2.20 says, I'm crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live, yet not I, but Christ lives in me. It's no longer me who lives, but there's a brand new life on the inside of me. I gave him something that was worth nothing, and he gave me something that was worth everything. Hallelujah. I'm just looking down my list here. See where I want to go. Second Corinthians, he gave me a new future. The enemy, the devil loves you and has a plan for your life. You know, a take on the, on the, the, the uh, salvation message that sometimes is used. God loves you and has a plan for your life. Listen, the devil hates you and he has a plan for your life. But here, it says in... First Corinthians, let me, it's not, I don't have this in alphabetical, alphabetical order or just any kind of order. I'm just looking through you. Second Corinthians 5.17. And I tell you what, once you understand that you have new life in Christ Jesus, this is the next thing you need to find out. Verse 17 of chapter 5. Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is, not be, will be, but he is a new creature. 
Old things are passed away. Behold, all things have become new. You know what? You, you, have to, you have to get to a place where you realize that what you're past is just that. It's past. I appreciate so much that Pastor taught on communion on Sunday morning a couple of weeks ago and on water baptism on Sunday night. You know, because to me, it, when you find out, when you realize that you have, you have new life, you need to let go of the old life. You need to put it where it belongs. And water baptism is a wonderful way of signifying that that is old. You know, for so long, you know, uh, you know I, I, was, I was really concerned. You know, of course, I know it's in a different day and age right now. For so long, I was so concerned that people would find our skeletons in the closet, you know, so to speak. But when I finally got around to, to letting this verse make a real difference in my life, then, then it was not an issue anymore. Because the old man who was guilty of all those things that I was so concerned about somebody finding out about, that old man I left in a pool in Jacksonville. That old man didn't come up out of the water. But a new person came up out of the water. And if the devil wanted to try me on this thing, I just said, go talk to the guy in the pool. Go talk to the guy in the pool. He's the one who's guilty of that. She's the one who's guilty of that. It's not me. Just go, but I tell you what, if believers will ever get in, in control of this verse in their lives, they will understand the past is past. It has no bearing on you right now. It has no bearing on your future. Don't let it. Old things are passed away and all things are, why? Because you're a brand new creature, brand new creature, brand new, Start it over. You got a clean slate. Praise God. You have memories of all that? Yes, of course you do. But as far as God is concerned, that never happened to you. And if believers would just get in touch with that, it would solve a lot of their problems. They won't have to go to psychiatrists or psychologists. They wouldn't have to have have, uh, group therapy. They wouldn't have to have all this stuff. Because the answer is right here. Old things have passed away and all things are new. I'm a new creature in Christ Jesus. None of that stuff has a hold on me anymore. I don't care how bad my family life was. I don't care how bad and traumatic the experiences were that I had before. Those things are gone, over, done with. I don't need to get inner healing because the new man doesn't need to be healed. He's brand new. Hallelujah. Then... Well, what happened when I got born again? I got called out of darkness. First Peter 2, 9. He's called you out of darkness and into his marvelous light. You know, if we realize that our life before we became believers was nothing but a place of darkness. That's all it was. And we were so blind, we didn't even understand how dark it was. But I tell you what, when you come out of the dark and into the light... Then you look back and go, man, that was really bad. I was so just encapsulated in darkness. It was all around me. It was everywhere. And I just didn't know. You know, when you stay in the dark long enough, you can adjust. Your eyes will adjust to the darkness. But I'm telling you what, as soon as you open just a little bit of light, 
you're, you react to that. Let me tell you, you and I, the spirit man on the inside of us has reacted to the light that has been shown out from, from the hymn. Ephesians 5, 8 says, you who were sometimes in darkness, now you are light in the Lord. You are now light. Isn't that amazing? You've not only been called out of darkness into light, but now you are light. You are light to somebody else. Everywhere you go, you are now light. Colossians 1.13 says that he's delivered us from the power or the authority of, of darkness and has translated us into the kingdom of his dear son. Brought out. Brought, there's been an exchange made. He, we've exchanged darkness for light. Why would anybody ever want to go back into that? I don't know. I don't even know why you'd want to play with that. Then what else did he do? He made us a brand new people. 1 Peter 2.10 says, We were not a people, but we are now the people of God. I'm telling you what, you've entered into a new community of, of people. You who were not a people. We were nobodies, but now we are somebody. And we have entered into a place where we're in fellowship with other believers just like us. We have become a body. The body of Christ joined and knit together. Before, we were just out there on our own struggling. We were nothing, had nobody. You know, we weren't joined to anybody. We, we really weren't. But now, I'm telling you what, we are knitted and joined together in such a way that we, each one of us have a vital part to play in the plan of God. We're not just out there on our own. We're not out there trying to figure it out on our own, but we are part of a body that has a job to do. Hallelujah. Um, Romans, we have a very, we, we have a new family. Romans 6, verses 17 and, and 18, it's, it says that, that we were once servants of sin, but now we were servants of righteousness. It goes on in Galatians 4, 7, it says that we're no longer servants, but sons and daughters. And Romans 8.15 says that we have given up the spirit of bondage for the spirit of adoption, which is sonship. We're sons and daughters of God. We are, we are we're, we're, the, we're like Jesus. He, Jesus is the firstborn, and we're the ones who followed after him. We are sons and daughters of the Most High. He values us. That's why he sent Jesus to start with. It's because of the value he placed on us. We, we could never have placed that kind of a value on ourselves. We had no idea how valuable we are to the Father. Have no idea. But that's what the enemy wanted us to know. He, he, wanted, us, he wanted us to just be, be resigned to and settle for the fact that we were nothing and nobody of no consequence, of no value. Because it says in 2 Corinthians 4, verse 4, it says, In whom the God of this world has blinded the minds of them which believe not, lest the light of the glorious gospel of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine unto them. You know, he wanted to keep you blind. He wanted to keep you unaware. He wanted to keep you in darkness, but aren't you glad somebody was praying? Somewhere, somebody was praying. It might have been a parent. It might have been a grandparent. It might be somebody on the other side of the world. Somebody was praying for you.
Somebody paved the way for that seed to get sown into your heart. Somebody was praying for you so that that seed would get watered. Somebody was praying for you so that somebody would come along and harvest that seed. And that you would start being a productive member of the body of Christ. But the enemy wants to keep people blind. You know, when you talk to, talk to people that are around you in the worlds that you go into, and, and, you, and they just don't seem to be open. Just like Margaret was talking about her employer. They don't seem to be open. I'm telling you what, the, de- the God of this world has got them blinded. If they had a clue, if they had any idea at all what was waiting for them on the other side of that decision to give their heart to Jesus, they would run as fast as they could to take care of it and to do it and to make Jesus Lord and Savior. But it's the enemy who keeps people blinded. When we pray for people, you know, we need to understand that for the exchange that happens in our lives, for it to happen in their lives, we've got to, we've got to deal with the God who's blinding them. You know, we've got to say, Father, help them strip the blinders off, whatever it takes, so they can see. You know, tremendous power can be made available for people, but they have to be willing to take advantage of it. How can they, how can they take advantage of something that's so great if they're blinded by the God of this world? So we have to pray, pray and believe God for the blinders to come off and that they can see and make the right choice. Will there be people who will still decide not to? Unfortunately, there have been, and there still will be. But you know what? We can give it a best shot. You know, by making sure that we've prayed so that God can open their eyes so that they can see clearly and make a decision on a clear vision. Because, listen, the light can be pretty bright. You know, there's a lot of reasons why people don't want to go into the light. Oh, it'll hurt my eyes. Oh, it'll this. You know, I don't know what their, all their reasons are. But you know what? We just keep praying. We just have to keep, keep to ourselves in a place where we talk about how God has brought us from here to hear how he's taken something that was that was ugly and turned it into something beautiful gave us beauty for the ashes that were in my life he gave me beauty for those ashes and 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 god wants to do that for them as well hallelujah i found out that my weakness has been exchanged for his strength Hallelujah. 2 Corinthians 12, he says, Paul wrote this. He said, my Lord was talking to him. said, my grace is sufficient for you, for my strength is made perfect in weakness. It goes on and says, for when I am weak, then am I strong. He has given me his strength and his ability. I don't have to do it by myself. I don't have to depend on me and me alone. When I go to the Father and say, Lord, help me. And we, he said, sweetheart, I got this for you. Just, just rely on my strength. It's, it's what I gave you. It's, it's what I gave you in exchange for your weakness. Here's all the strength that you need. Then he, he gave me peace. Philippians 4, verses 6 and 7. Let's go over there. Hallelujah. This is such a wonderful, wonderful passage. Philippians 4. For all my anxiety... For all my care, for all my concern, he has given me peace. 
What a wonderful exchange that has in the world that we live in when there's worry and there's despair and there's despondency and depression and anxiety everywhere everybody turns. We can have peace. What a wonderful exchange that has become in my life. It says in verse in, uh Verse 6, it says, be careful for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God that passes all understanding. I have no idea. I can't even comprehend the kind of peace that he brings into my heart when I let him, when I'm careful for nothing, when I'm anxious for nothing, when I let go of all the care and the concern and the worry. The peace of God that passes all understanding will keep your hearts and your minds through Christ Jesus. Oh, and then you go over to, to uh, was it Hebrews, uh, no, Peter, 1 Peter 5, 7. It says, casting all your care. You know, if you're going to have, if you're going to be able to exchange something, you have to bring it to the right person at the right place and then let go. So in 1 Peter, he's telling you, Casting all your care. You cannot hang on to it. I mean, I know they also take your burdens to the Lord and leave them there. Unfortunately, you know, I, you know, when I was growing up, it seemed like everybody took them to the altar. They prayed over them. Then they got up to leave the altar to go back to their seat. And they picked them up and they took them back with them. Because it didn't seem to make much difference. And I've done the same thing. How many times of you can say that, that you've done the same thing? Lord, I intend to give this to you. I intend to leave it there. But I just can't. And you pick it up and you, and you go on with it. And you let that thing worry you. You let that thing. Listen. Let him make the exchange. Let him give you what he's got so that you can be whole. You don't have to be broken by, by worry and anxiety. You know, then you go on. And, and Hebrews 4, 3 says, For we which have believed do enter into rest. When I am not at rest... My believing's not in the right place. That, that's just it, you know? If, if you're worrying and fretting and having anxiety about any, any, well, Pastor Angel, you don't understand what I'm dealing with. I don't care what you're dealing with. It's all the same thing. Those who have believed, do you believe that God's taking care of that? Do you believe he's given you the answer? Do you believe you have the strength to do whatever is going to be necessary to get done in this area? Those who have believed do enter into rest. Rest. You have cast your care. You have decided to be careful or anxious for nothing. You have decided to give him all of that, lay it down, and receive the peace that he's offered to you. He can't make you take it. You have to be willing to take it. You have to be actively engaged in taking it for it to work. Hallelujah. How about this? He, he brought blessing where there was only curse. Galatians 3.13. He has, re- well, you're close. Just Let's just look at it. Galatians 3.13. Hallelujah. Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law, being made a curse for us. For it is written, cursed is everyone who hangs on a tree, that the blessing of Abraham might come on the Gentiles 
through Jesus Christ. Your life, I don't care, but before you were born again, I don't care how good it may have looked, your life had a curse on it. And he exchanged your cursed life for the blessed life. Blessings that you can't even begin to imagine that are available to you. Blessings that come in every shape, every form, every style, every day. Blessings. My life is a life of blessing. And you should be careful to say that as often as possible. I'm blessed. How are you today? I'm blessed. Not I'm fine. How about I'm blessed? You, should, you, could, be, you could probably use hearing yourself say, I'm blessed. Well, how about if, I don't, if it doesn't look like this? I don't care what it looks like. You're blessed. The blessing of Abraham is come on the Gentiles. That is you through Christ Jesus. It's come on you. You are, you are better than fine. You are blessed. It's, it's, it's disheartening to me sometimes to go up to people, even in church, and you say, hey, how you doing? Well, if you start off with well, I really don't want to hear the rest of the sentence. Now, I do realize there are times when you, you, you've got something going on that you really need to talk to somebody about just, just you know, to get some, some encouragement or maybe to, to a sounding block or maybe just to get somebody just to agree with you. That, but you know what? You shouldn't take every opportunity to use a well We shouldn't just say, I'm okay. Doing good as good as possible under the circumstances. Okay. Where is the blessed life? Obviously, you have not made the total exchange if you're not saying, every time somebody asks you how you are, I'm blessed. I mean, I've gone through toll booths on the, inter- on the, on the turnpike before, and uh, somebody said, hey, how you doing today? You know, just mother give me your change. Said I'm blessed, and I've more times than one I've had somebody said, "Yes, that's right." There are times when I've had some of these people, you know, in different places. You know, maybe not in toll booths, but you know, in other places. Look at you, like, what are you talking about? <laughs> that might be your opportunity to sow a seed. You know, the more you say you're blessed, the more you're going to react to the fact that you are blessed. And the more you say it, the more opportunities there will be for you to share the blessings of God that have come into your life with somebody else. But you exchanged cursed life for the blessed life. Amen. How about I have have been met, my failures, even after being born again, have been met with mercy. (laughs) Oh, hallelujah. Oh, how many have we needed that? Ah, God, Ephesians 2, 4, God who is rich in mercy. Thankfully, he's my father. He's rich in mercy, and he wants to share that with me every single day. He will exchange my sense of failure with his mercy. He will exchange the consequences of my failure with his mercy. 1 John 1, 9, if we miss it, he's faithful and just to forgive us. And to cleanse us from all sin. In Lamentations, his mercies are new every morning. He never runs out. The exchange rate on mercy is huge. 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 And it needs to be. Because we all need mercy. Nearly every day we need mercy. 
I don't, can anybody think of a day that you've made it completely through 24 hours without needing some mercy? Well, I don't know if you were in a coma, maybe, but you know, I don't, I don't know. I, I can't, I can't say that. How about righteousness? Our right standing. He has provided us with such a marvelous place of righteousness that we can stand before him boldly, confidently. We can stand before him without shrinking back and lowering our heads and and not wanting to look at him, not wanting to to be around him because because we just have, have have done so many things that are that are not right. No, he exchanged our unrighteousness for the righteousness of the one who is righteous. We have become the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. Hallelujah. In Isaiah 64, 6, it said, Our righteousness was as filthy rags. That puts a real good perspective on our own ability to be righteous before the Father. Hallelujah. How about freedom? Romans 8, 2 says that the law of spirit of life in Christ Jesus has made me free from the law of sin and death. How about Galatians 5? Supernatural ability to live this life. He tells us in Galatians 5 that we can walk in the spirit and not in the flesh. It is possible. It really is possible. If you will believe him, you know, in, in, in some of these other areas like righteousness, you will know that you can walk a life that is not common, that's not ordinary, it's not, it's not uh, defined by this world, but we can walk in the Spirit. We can walk through this life in the Spirit and in the power of the Spirit. You know, that's the next thing is, is my faith doesn't stand in any, anybody except God. It, it cannot stand in me. It cannot stand in my mama, my daddy, my grandparents, my pastor. It can't stand in anything except in God. And Paul wrote this. He said that we have faith. We cannot have faith in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. It's just the power of God. We can have faith in that because that is at the absolute, the absolute place where we can put our faith. How about mortality versus immortality? You and I are going to live eternally. Hallelujah. 1 Corinthians 15. Hallelujah. 1 Corinthians 15. Hallelujah. Let's just just go in. Verse 51, just because I like it. Behold, I show you a mystery. We shall not all be all sleep, which is die, but we shall all be changed. In a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, the last trump for the trumpet shall sound, and the dead shall be raised incorruptible, and we shall be changed. For this corruptible, those who have already died, must put on incorruption, and this mortal, which is us people who are living, will put on immortality. You know, you and I, as believers, we have been, we have been called out of darkness and into his light. And I'm telling you what, from here on, no matter how we leave this earth, whether it's because we've already died or whether we're still alive, when he comes back, we're going to be changed. And we're going to live forever with him, not to ever know death, which is separation from God. Isn't that awesome? He gave me the ability to, to know that I will never be separated from him. 
Mortal, immortality belongs to us. Not, not immortality as they, as they talk on the Avengers, but immortality that is, that is completely in the presence of God for all time, all eternity. I don't even know what you call it. It's, it's eternity. It's not even time. I don't even know what it is. But never to be separated from him. He has given us that ability. Hallelujah. How about uh, the spirit of fear? <laughs> We have been, he has given us so much that we have in exchange. What the enemy wants to keep on, keep on you in any time is a spirit of fear. But in Timothy, he says he's not giving you a spirit of fear, but he's giving you a spirit of power, of love, and a sound mind. A sound mind. Hallelujah. So all I can say to, to you tonight is, there has been, if, you, if you're a believer, there has been an awesome, incredible, magnificent, supernatural exchange that has happened in your life. And there are so many aspects that it, it'll take you the rest of your life to investigate what you have truly been given in exchange for the useless, worn out, broken, miserable life that you had. Before you knew him. If it doesn't seem like it's working. I suggest you go read the manual. I suggest you get it out. Because he gave you something in exchange. And what he exchanged it with. He gave you a manual. For that new exchange. That new exchange has instructions that the old didn't have. The new manual has got something that will tell you how to get the most out of the product. It will tell you how to get the most out of, out of the design that he put in motion. The manual will tell you everything you need to know. And if you're not experiencing it, if you're not experiencing the, the wonders of it, then you need to go back to the manual. But I'm telling you what, there has been a great exchange. You know, and that's just that, that whole concept from my grandmother's funeral 50 years ago just came back up, you know, just in the last couple of weeks. And I went, you know, that was really good. I remember I wasn't even serving God at the time. And I thought to myself, I remember thinking during her service, you know, that, that's a pretty good message. That's pretty good. I wasn't living it, but it was a pretty good message. But, you know, once, once you start living it, you start living in, in the beauty of what he's exchanged, what you gave up, you didn't give up anything. You didn't give up a thing. What you, what you gave up, what you think you gave up was nothing but a big, fat lie. Just a big, fat lie. But I'm telling you what, what you have received in exchange for that lie, is the most powerful truth that this universe, this life has ever known and will ever know. We have no real understanding just yet of how vast, how great, how wonderful, how beautiful the exchange that we've received really is. But we're learning. We're growing in it. We're uncovering it. We're unwrapping it daily. We're getting into it, into this box, you know, and we're finding more and more stuff all the time that he's, that he's given us in exchange for what we've laid down, laid aside, and turned our backs on. 
What a good God we serve. Amen. At Impact Family Church, it is our desire to see you blessed through the power of the Word of God. We have been helping people to change their world for over 25 years through our dynamic ministries and teaching. If you are going to be in the North Central Florida area and are interested in attending our services or just want more information about us, you can visit us online at www.impactfamilychurch.com.